Trick Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. A homecoming, a renewed purpose, and a decision. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, Adira unlocked her memories, including where the Federation is based. And this week, the Discovery finally finds what they've been looking for. But will they get the welcome and the reception that they'd hoped for? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everybody. Substituting for Dan Davidson, my name is Bill Smith, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome, everyone, to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. We're so glad you've joined us this week. You'll notice a change in the voices this week as we're without our regular host, Dan Davidson. Dan is currently en route to Florida to help his dad through some recent health problems. And we send our best wishes to Dan and his parents and look forward to Dan's father, Don, feeling better soon. Last week, we witnessed an emotional roller coaster, roller coaster as Tal welcomed Adira to the Trill Circle and regained the memories of past hosts as Discovery's crew's stress level boiled over. This week, it's all about finding the remains of the Federation, but will this 930-year-old ship and crew get the welcome they had hoped for? Of course, you're listening to the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis on the latest of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Die Trying. After a remarkable arrival at Federation headquarters, Saru and Burnham realize this new Federation isn't big on trust. At least, not yet. But I trust my own number one this week. I would have no problem leaving her in charge of a ship that has every seed of every plant ever seen in the Federation. But I would absolutely be sure to leave her with some decent beer for the trip. She's the, ho- she's the co-host of Rewind here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And this week, she's co-hosting Discovering Trek. Sarah, it's good to have you back, number one. Oh, my gosh. I'm going up in rank. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to be here. And I'm really happy to see Mr. Casey Shafsky. Welcome back. Hey, it's great to have Sarah and all of us, to- well, most of us oh. together for... Four Beatles? No, three of the Beatles. <laughs> three Beatles. Uh, one of us is a dung beetle. I'm going to let you figure out which one that is, Casey. <laughs> well, I am number two, so I already figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you both here. We're going to have some great discussion uh, for an episode that uh, that has a lot to talk about for sure. But Sarah, in case anyone wants to plant a seed for a good topic of discussion, how can they get in touch with us to do that and give us their thoughts on die trying? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. There's a lot to unpack this week, and we would certainly love to hear your thoughts on all of it. On Twitter and Facebook, all you have to do is search for at Discovering Trek. We welcome your questions, comments, and maybe even your thoughts on this future version of Starfleet. You can also leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and click on the big blue button. Please remember, though, that any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Bill? Thank you, Sarah. Black alert. Black alert. Well, from here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode five of Star Trek Discovery season three, stop listening right now. Watch the latest episode. Then come back here to Discovering Trek. Otherwise, you risk finding out plot developments and character details for Die Trying. 
Episode 305 of Star Trek Discovery, Die Trying, has a story by James Duff and Sean Cochran with the teleplay by Sean Cochran. The episode is directed by Maha Vervillo. After reuniting with what remains of Starfleet and the Federation, the USS Discovery and its crew must prove that a 930-year-old crew and starship are exactly what this new future needs. Originally released on November 12, 2020, it is the fifth episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Well, everyone, as we gather in the briefing room to start our discussion on this week's episode, let's first get your high-level thoughts. Was it a thumbs down? Was it a thumbs up? Why was it that way? And uh, Casey, since uh, you're the, the third person this week, we'll start with you. Okay, my friend. Well, like the aftermath of me using power saws in the garage, I give this episode one and three quarters thumbs up. <laughs> um, I, I, I very much enjoyed a majority of it. I really liked seeing people coming home and the, and the Federation and Starfleet in action there, uh, just a slight bit disappointed with the full story and use of non throughout the series. Okay, that's good to know. Sarah, what about you? I'm going to make up my own fun rating scale today just because I feel like it. I like it. Uh, bad would be an empty pint. Good would be a full pint. I'm going to give it a full pint. This episode was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, as an avid gardener, I really appreciated seeing a little bit about what happens to these seeds in space. I really enjoyed performances by everybody in this episode, and it was just, it was great. It was good fun. I'm going to have to be right there with you. I, uh, I For me, an empty pint glass is good because it means there's more room for... For more, more things in the pint glass. Mm. But I'm going to give it two thumbs up. Uh, this was a, an episode I really enjoyed, even though it's a little bittersweet toward the end for me, um, for reasons that we will get into later on. And that's going to take us into this week's discussion. Um, we got a long-awaited return home. Here we are, episode five, and the discovery finally reached Starfleet. And right up front, Sarah, you could sense a definite shift in the crew's stress level and their attitude, couldn't you? Absolutely. There was this actual scene when they arrive at Starfleet is something that I'm going to touch on later big time because it was... Um, for me, it was really satisfying as a viewer. You know, you wait for these moments to happen and you never know how they're going to play it out. And I was super excited for that whole just reveal. So, yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you. I was right there, Casey, with, you know, my fist pumping in the air when they finally reached Starfleet. Um, how did that one strike you? Was that a moment that, that you really enjoyed? Was it a, was it a pivotal moment of the season for you? I really enjoyed that whole opening scene because like we're saying, the whole vibe, the whole tone, you could feel the mood of these characters completely change. And like the fanfare, the Star Trek fanfare that came up when the cold open, you know, stopped, that was just like, holy crud. Oh, all right. Excitement and a, a, a lack of a sense of dread. It was like, you know what? Okay, there's some weight off of everybody's shoulders. We're here. Let's see what happens. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of great moments in that scene where they break through the barrier to Starfleet. And a couple of times where you get instantly choked up. And the first of which for me was seeing the USS Voyager J 
on the screen. I mm. got to admit, having recently finished watching Star Trek Voyager and having fallen in love with that series, that was an incredibly special moment. But the one that really got me was seeing the USS Nog, which, guys, is just an amazing tribute to Deep Space Nine's Aaron Eisenberg, who we lost last year. Um, tell me you guys didn't get a little choked up at that. I just... Uh, I'll fully admit yeah. I didn't catch it until I saw the notes about Nog. So oh, I'm wow. super excited about that. But when I saw Voyager, I was just like, good job, guys. Like, it just who doesn't love that, right? I agree. Casey, what mm-hmm. about you? A- absolutely. I was trying to eagle eye everything when we we're coming into the new quote, quote, space dock type of thing. And it was a pause, rewind, pause, rewind, pause, rewind type thing. And... Yeah, that was so sweet for Aaron Eisenberg. It was just a that you know, this, this the first Ferengi is in there, and mm-hmm. so his character is remembered a thousand years later, and then finding out later, like Sarah, it's an Eisenberg class starship. Yeah, and I was just like, you mm-hmm. know what, producers, way to go, nice, mm-hmm. nice job here, and that was very sweet. Well, and that ship looks pretty wild, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to describe the shape. It doesn't fit your normal Starfleet configuration, if you will. Let's see. We've got that ship. We've got a shrouded Starfleet headquarters that's behind mm-hmm. some kind of cloaked force field, which is interesting. We've got ships with detached nacelles, yeah. which I'm mm-hmm. still trying to wrap my head around. I have no idea how Eagle Moss is going to make models of these things. But... Casey, I'll start with you on this one. Do these advances in technology seem realistic in the world of Star Trek? Do they make sense? Sure. Why not? Because I kind of go, it's all make-believe anyways. And you know what? A thousand years... Look at how the advancements that we have right now from just 20 years ago, five years ago. I mean, you look at stuff from the 80s until now, and then you go back from the 80s to the 60s and just... The incre- incremental steps that are happening, but a lot of incremental steps a lot of the time. So a thousand years from now, it's like I could see how we wouldn't recognize almost anything and be completely blown away by what is the new technology or for them just, you know, standard practice. So I bought it. Sarah, did you buy it? And mm-hmm. um, uh, l- let's say let's say you and I are stuck in the, in case you're stuck in the, the 31st, 32nd century, are any of us going to figure out how to use that stuff? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can barely use my cell phone, which I feel was outdated within nine months of me purchasing it. So yeah. I agree with Casey where we've come so far ourselves in the last 100 years, 900 years from now, there's going to be things we can't even comprehend. Um, just those first scenes when we're there and we're seeing the the medical devices and and what may have been futuristic versions of peanut hamper possibly, you know, <laughs> doing their work. And um, yeah, the, the, the technology is, it, I, it makes sense to me. I'm buying it. I'll take it. It's amazing. Holographic hulls and, and buildings where the floors just sort of paint mm. as you're walking down them. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of amazing. But let's talk about Admiral Vance for a minute, the new mm-hmm. commander in chief of of Starfleet. <sighs> I got to say, I have been a big fan of Oded Fairs for some time. Back Going back almost 20 years to Showtime series Sleeper Cell. Um, oh. Of course, yeah, he was fantastic in that. He's great in The Mummy. He's great mm-hmm. in so many things, mm-hmm. but... Um, what a great addition to the Star Trek universe. Um, is Admiral is Admiral Vance a jerk 
or is he just cautious, overly cautious, incredibly cautious from fighting constant fires all the time, Sarah? Absolutely. I don't think that he's a jerk. I don't think that he's, maybe he's a little, you know, rough around the edges. It's, you know, not often that they're coming face to face with a ship that's 900 years and, and things that they've only talked about and studied in their world of what Starfleet is. So I, you know, after that greeting that we got about when they went to Earth, um, everyone's defensive, everyone's nervous, everyone's, there's, you got to earn some trust. And I think that's fair. And I think he came across the way that one would expect in that situation. Yeah, he strikes me as a leader who sits back, and although he's got a lot on his plate, he he took Saru's advice rather well, Casey. I, I think that he's the guy who can see the forest for the trees, and I'm hoping that he is able to use Discovery the way we hope that that, that he is. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I, I think he's prudent. Yeah. So what's going on is, you know, not giving away trust, but allowing it to be earned and being prudent in the fact that, okay, you know, even if we let them go on this mission, it's, it's technically nothing that would hurt them if it goes awry, the, the Federation. Um, and if they, as he said, like, what, triage for how long yeah. the Federation's been in? Then you're going to be on edge all the time, and then you've got this starship coming back with absolutely no information about it and this whole gung-ho crew that's saying trust us trust us it's like uh (laughs) no i'm gonna be prudent here uh, and uh let that be earned and i i think that's a a more logical and realistic human way that things would happen i think so too well plus he's in the unenviable position of of having a ship that's just come back, you know, from time travel. And time travel is now prohibited Mm. uh, under the laws following what he referred to as the temporal war. I don't know about you guys, but that makes me feel like we're going to see even more time travel coming up. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah, you don't bring something up to not use it later. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. So let's talk a little bit about Philippa Giorgio. Um, What is up with her? So she gets debriefed by this mysterious character played by legendary director David Cronenberg. I'm going to throw this out to the two of you. And Sarah, you can answer first. Was this guy Section 31? That's a really good question. I think that that's very possible. I mean, he could be anything. Who knows? Yeah. This is, he, really this, he was a very aloof, great character. I loved their scenes together. Casey, what do you think? Was he 31? I, I could be because I can see where if if you're going to be d- head of a clandestine operation and you're in charge of, I guess, recruitment, who yeah. better to get than somebody with absolutely zero history in this timeline that anyone would know? And you're playing them. You've got enough power and knowledge on certain things to, I mean, Cronenberg's character messes with Giorgio. Bad. Yeah, he does. Well, he starts off by essentially kissing up to her um, in, in in that way, you know, saying, you know, we haven't had a Terran here for so long. It's been 500 years since the last crossover. We knew you were Terran instantly. You're brutal, which is music to Giorgio's ears. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seemed to know an awful lot about right. the mirror universe. Right. Um, like more than he should have. Mm-hmm. And, 
and this makes me wonder, one, is he from the mirror universe himself? And two, is he the reason that Giorgio is um, under the weather, shall we say? Uh, because she's not in a good way right now toward the end of this episode. And is that because of something he's done? What do you guys think? I don't think mm. he's done something to her. I think that maybe the conversation sparked something in her that she wasn't anticipating to react to, maybe. Um, she kind of met somebody who's able to go head to head with her straight on yeah. in that aloof, mysterious, slightly evil, but also amusing kind of way. I think it kind of shook her, but I, I don't know. I'm really bad. I'm always wrong. So. <laughs> 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 I have no idea, but well, I think that there's definitely, there's more to him and whether it's he's on this side and he studied them or he is Taryn. I don't know. It's, it's a good one for sure. Welcome. Welcome to the club. I'm always wrong too. <laughs> Uh, Casey, what do you think? I mean, it, is she the reason, or is he the reason that that Giorgio is is really kind of flaking out toward the end? Well, I, I mean, he he could be a trigger, and what I, what I was thinking on this is that this might be either some type of psychological test for being in Section Thirty One, and so you like you know. It's like if you're training for being in armed forces and certain things, it's like, hey, we're going to teach you with 40 pounds of weight on you and your hands tied behind your back, dump you in a pool and teach you how to not drown. So p possibly, but he was so completely nonchalantly cool. I'm going to F with your head right now. And like, hey, here, you, you like my badge? Take it. You want to break it to kind of see if you can make a weapon? Here, here you go. I don't care. So I, I, I could see him being the, the nice little uh, hand in the back that is pushing people for them to have their own reaction. Uh, if anything, I, I definitely believe we're not done seeing his influence on Giorgio, and I'm very happy about that because she could use to be thrown off her game a little bit as far mm. as character development goes. Guys, let's talk about the seed ship, the USS Tikov. Um, and we get Michael Burnham in command of the USS Discovery really for the first time. Mm -hmm. She hasn't been the, the number one of a starship since episode one, season one, the Vulcan Hello. And um, she got her first call, a black alert. But should she be the first officer at this point? Because um, I, I think she's fairly conflicted and doesn't want to be. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree. As much as I want her to be there because she's yeah. just, she's so good. And it's just th the challenges that come with that role and that rank would just make for such great storytelling. But I really don't think that she's ready for it right now. Um, personally so but she did great on this one i think she knocked casey, it out of the park casey what did you think did you think that she was going to make it through this particular mission intact or did you think she was going to need rescuing um i didn't think there's going to be any need for a rescue but um i kept thinking that this was a little bit more of her proving something to herself like i could do this hmm. but I, I I concur. I don't think she wants this at all. And part of that is the whole dichotomy of here's here's my family who I haven't seen for a year and and I love, but but I learned so much being with book for this year and found out 
who I am or who I want to be. Um, and so, you know, still very intelligent, very strong, smart character. But I don't, I don't think wants to be in Starfleet. I have a hard time believing that that one year would have messed her up that badly. I mean, let's look at what Michael Burnham's been through so far. Um, she was raised by Vulcan step parents. She had a Vulcan, you know, step brother. She started a Klingon war. She was sent to prison for life. She got out of that. She ended the Klingon war. She um, uh, took them 900 years into the future. And now this is really what screwed her up. That's what I have a hard time buying into because there's been enough mm-hmm. mental trauma so far. But yeah, Casey, you have your hand up. Well, on that, I, I think it's the whole conglomerate of everything you just said. Okay. So that it may be once you've had the year to think about everything that has happened. That's when it hits. Then that's when it hits of like, oh, I'm not that person. Okay. I can believe that. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that this was an interesting mission, although maybe it seems a little too convenient that a thousand year old ship just happens to go in search of another thousand year old ship that's still hanging around. And of course, I'm talking about the discovery going to, to, uh, to find the, the takeoff. Um, was that aspect of the plot believable to you guys, Sarah? Um, I totally think it was. I don't think of of the Tikov being just another thousand year old ship that's just kind of out there. I feel that it's a ship that's served a purpose and it's been evolving over the thousand years to serve that purpose. It's no different than people keeping seeds here for in case there's a major earth event and we have to have a these places exist where they're they're doing this. So. Um, and when you kind of hear a little bit more about it, about how uh, different members of the Federation take turns being in charge of it, I think it's very realistic to think that there is a ship like that that would exist that's cataloging such important um, things for in case something hits the fan, which it did. And then they have <laughs> like this. this. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, um, I could see you piloting that ship, um, but it would be great if it would show up now and take you out of here. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I have no idea how to respond. <laughs> Look, Dan's not here. Somebody's going to be the target. It's not Sarah. Uh, no kidding. Let's be uh, honest about that. That's no, but true. I think that I think that element of mystery in the episode was was great even though it was probably solved a little too quickly. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, it was very interesting cuz like when they first beamed in and the shot was very, "Hey, we're in the Genesis cave." type of a look and i was like oh and then like how sarah brought up i go if this ship has been so old and holding such precious cargo then i'm sure there's been advancements made to it and with a crew that changes every so often there'll there'll be new things happening on that ship to ensure the safety of these seeds for many 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 planets going on and um I could buy it. I mean, it was a nice plot point. It was a, a bit uh, convenient, yeah, to say say the least. Okay, um, but it, I I kind of think it worked for what had to happen to certain characters in this episode. Well, and let's go right into that since you've given me such a, a nice segue and, and teed it up for me. Let's talk about Nan's decision to stay behind. Probably the biggest development of the episode right after the Discovery getting home to Starfleet. This, honestly, Sarah, is the best look we've gotten at this character so far. 
and now she's gone, maybe. This is typical of any show that I love, and I'm over it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, but I but I see this, and I and I see this a lot in shows like um, I I know I've used the example before, The Walking Dead, where you, yep. you might have a lot of background characters that then they give you an episode that's that character, and then they take them away, and that's kind of what happened with Arium too. I feel so yeah. in a way because um, Nan's character was so close to Arium, and there was that mention more than once about that connection and that need to stay I think that it's I think it's very bittersweet I really have enjoyed the character but I don't think this is the end of what we're going to see I think we're going to see more I certainly hope so too Casey what about you yeah um this was yeah this was telegraphed of how they're doing it I totally agree with you Sarah it's like hey once we really dive into the backstory of somebody it's like oh you're dead yeah you know, yeah, this is the episode <laughs> where you die. Thanks, I love died. you now, and now they're gone. Yeah, so they want to give you something good to go. So I'm really hoping that this is kind of something where we'll we'll get this character back a few episodes later on in the, in the series uh, for this season. Um, because, gosh, I I kind of feel that was a very underused character. I mean, yeah. you know, leaving the Enterprise to be on Discovery, and then now you're 930, and then leaving Discovery. It's like, did they just not really know what to do with this character, with introducing new characters for this season? I, I don't know. I mean, they could have killed the character off. I at least take some solace in that. Yeah. But I'm really kind of bummed because Rachel Antrell was just barely added to the opening credits for Star Trek yes. Discovery. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, she got promoted to series regular and now she's gone. And in theory, we don't know if we're ever going to see her again, although uh, I'm hoping we are somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not this season. Maybe it's next season. Who knows? But I, I, I really think that this was a great development for Non. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciated the way that, that uh, they wrote in that she wished she'd been able to go home first. Because mm-hmm. I think that yes. says a lot about the character. It says a lot about her tie to the Barzan homeworld. It says a lot about who she is and who her family is. And um, it's, it, I think it was the most interesting thing they could do if they were going to make that choice, Casey. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I hear you. It's like, make it make it worthwhile for the character to then not be on Discovery. And I'm, I'm quite glad they didn't kill her off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, leaving certain things open-ended. And that's, it seems to me like a whole nother thing that Discovery could dive into if they want to, a whole nother culture that we would know not a whole hell, heck of a lot about. Mm-hmm. And and go that route. So I'm glad technically she's still in the universe. Well, and we got some great context about the Barzan here, Sarah. Um, in addition to this being a good call for Nan, it was great information that we got about the people on her homeworld. The fact that you know there is a lot of poverty. The fact that everything is done for the children. And it, it makes me wonder what Nan's going to do once she gets home. Well, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking as Casey was talking about, you know, how could we come back to this character and the story? And and there's a very good chance that she's going to go home and she's not going to recognize it and she's not going to like it. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? I mean, 900 years is a long time and places evolve and change. And, you know, we know that they joined Starfleet at some point and where they've been left as a result of that. So I I would love to see another standalone episode of her character, maybe having that adventure, whether it's in a short trek or it's in a book, or I think that there's just potential for so much story writing there. 
I couldn't agree mm. more. And lastly, guys, so the discovery at the end of the episode gets welcomed home by Admiral Vance. Um, what kind of role do we think Discovery is going to play in this new era? Um, obviously, the, the table's wide open for them. Um, uh, there's no more yeah. five-year missions. Um, what do you think is the role they're going to play in, in working with Starfleet, guys? Sarah, what do you think? I think that there's potential, and I don't want to be cheesy, but I kind of want to be cheesy. This is a group of people who are very full of wonderment, um, starry-eyed, positive about that still that sense of adventure that Starfleet always was, whereas Starfleet that exists right now is very cautious. They're not really talking to a lot of people. Maybe that they need Discovery to be that crew who's going to remind Federation members past and present and, you know, like, this is what we're about. We had that sense of adventure. Like, how can we help? We want to be there because it feels like that's not really where Starfleet is right now. Casey, what about you? Mm -hmm. I I kind of think they're going to become a Mission Impossible away team. Interesting. You know, with the Spore Drive will allow them to be uh, on point on certain things where Vance just goes... Hey, you're you're going to go here. We need you to do this. And on that mission, they can complete whatever the mission is. And like Sarah's saying, is to start, you know, what would be technically for people then an old-fashioned feeling of what the Federation means. And I can see them in their missions starting to uh, work the psyche and the emotions of wherever they go with people going, you know, maybe... Maybe this is the time where we really start considering rejoining or joining the Federation. So they could be working to get the band back together in sort of missions of the week yep. to some mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. I, I still think there's going to be a larger overarching um, threat to this season. I figure Starfleet's not living behind a cloak for, you know, for, for no reason at all. There's got to yeah. be a reason why they shield themselves, and that may not be immediately apparent. Plus, there have to mm-hmm. be... Uh, Vance said there's lots of theories on the burns, almost more, more than there are member worlds and starships. Um, I, I have a feeling that one of those theories is going to gain some traction, but that's just me. I hear you. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's got to be something in the storyline <laughs> that they decide to go to. And it's yeah, like... Right, it's going to be like, over pretty quick. Bye. Yeah, have we, I mean, have we seen anything with the Klingons? Have we seen anything with Romulans? No, anything with Vulcans? No, it's like, hey, what, what's it gonna be? And is this a natural disaster or a entity or government-made disaster that changed the universe? Well, I guess time is going to find out. Great discussion this week, guys. Um, I, what can I say? As we do every week, we want to take a moment to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. As we all deal with the continued effects of the coronavirus pandemic, we know that small business is an essential part of a recovering economy, and man, are we proud to support one of the best small businesses in the whole galaxy, and of course, that's Fansets. Whether it's Star Trek, Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, or a whole ton of other franchises, Fansets has always put out superior products, and with new pins coming out each and every month, you are sure to have an ever-expanding collection of great collectible pins. Oh, without a doubt. And November is certainly no different. Available just this week, you can add some brand new Star Trek pins to your collection, and they are Captain Jean-Luc Picard wearing his family crest. Mm. So essentially, you have a Fansets pin wearing a Fansets pin, which is awesome. (laughs) 
Uh, you have Hugh from Star Trek Picard. Of course, you get the USS Cerritos from Star Trek Lower Decks, which yes! I'm incredibly <laughs> excited about. Yay! Fansets also wants to let everyone know that they're working as hard as they can to get the Lower Decks Com Badge Collection and the Voyager Collector Sets shipped out to customers as soon as possible. The pandemic has caused some big time delays in getting finished product from overseas, and they're doing everything they can to get that process sped up. They truly appreciate your patience and support during these very strange times. And you know what else they appreciate? The holiday season, because it's kind of become a tradition to have a special holiday pen released, and this year's no different. Last year, it was the adorable number one doggy, love it, from Star Trek Picard in a Santa hat. And this year, everyone's favorite holodeck training program, Badgie, will be celebrating the season with you until he kills you. <laughs> Head on over to Fansets' social media pages to get a glimpse of what is certain to be a quick sellout at fansets.com. And of course, with our special relationship with Fansets, you get to save money each and every week with our special Discovering Trek discount code. Just head on over to fansets.com and place a whole bunch of stuff in your cart. And at checkout, enter the special discount code Discovering Trek. That's Discovering Trek in all capital letters, no spaces. And with that, you'll get 15% off your entire order. And don't forget that our US customers will get free shipping if you spend 30 bucks or more. Fansets, our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and in this segment, we'll take a look at what this episode helps us discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And Casey, it looks like you drew the short straw. You're up first. <laughs> right on, man. You know, this this episode, I just kept coming back to, it's all about home. Um, the Discovery crew have become a family, and now they're coming back to a home that is foreign to them. Um, Michael wants to find her mother, her home. The Barzan father is doing everything possible to retain his home. And Nan is leaving for her home. I think the importance and relevance for each of us is having a home that is supportive, caring, sincere, and loving. And home could be a place, but most often in how I see it is that home is a group of people or a person. You know, a structure itself is not a home. It's it's the people in that with you who are there for you when you suck <laughs> when you're wonderful <laughs> when things are just not going well and when things are going well and who can be supportive in any way possible um and watching this episode it was really interesting i kept going back to the song written by burt Bacharach and hal david called a house is not a home now you can find this on youtube and sung by either dion warwick or dusty springfield or my preferred version, which is the seven-minute version by Luther Vandross. And listen to the words, listen to the lyrics of what it means to be home. And this episode really just brought that back to me of, of how all of us need that and want that. 
I don't know, Casey. I'm going to take that Dusty Springfield version every time, but that's just me. Oh. <laughs> well, this week, I was struck by Saru's lesson on looking up and the need to add context and depth to how we see the world. So many of us are focused on specific things, whether it's work or education or activism or even just getting by during these weirdest of times in the world. And this week is a great reminder to pause and look up. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, that seems like a piece of advice that's really odd coming from someone like me. But it's important isn't lost on me either. This is the second week in a row that I'm going to invoke Star Trek Deep Space Nine's The Visitor, but die trying makes me think of an important lesson from that episode also applies here. Benjamin Sisko says to his son, Jake, well, I'm no writer, but if I were, it seems to me I'd want to poke my head up every once in a while and take a look around, see what's going on. It's life, Jake, and you can miss it if you don't open your eyes. Open your eyes, look around, but equally as important, look up. Sarah? That was excellent. Both of you. I really like both of those things. Um, for me, there's something about this week that I just couldn't help but see so many instances and examples of what pure joy looks like when you realize you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Finding a purpose in life, a goal, a passion is difficult for so many people. But when you find it and you're lost in the bliss of it, the pure happiness that's felt is infectious and it's beautiful. In the opening scenes when they arrive at Starfleet and everyone's geeking out over the ships and the technology, the flying rainforest, they're giddy, they're excited, they're in that moment that this is why they love Starfleet, this is why they want to be explorers, this is why they're out there doing it. It's that moment that they're sharing together of just happiness. And then when we see Nan speaking to Berman, uh, Burnham about her choice to stay on the ship she wants to go home and she just the acting in that scene with the emotion that's pouring about this is what i need to do this is what i want to do this is where i'm going to be going with my choices um it was so just pure of that you see it in their eyes they know what they need to be doing right at that moment and in the silly versions we also see um philippa just loving tormenting those ais and (laughs) the mystery guy and she's just practically shaking her shoulders like the cat that got the cream and she's doing what she loves to do um and another note that i would remember from this episode was when um tilly and stamets and reno are just like bickering and loving it but making fun and being inappropriate but loving it because they're in their moment of passion of what they want to do and what they love doing and i saw a lot of that in this episode and it just makes me happy those are the moments that i always remember in star trek that make me just giddy and happy and that's why i love it i have to say michelle yo started blinking at me like that my matrix might shut down too but um, <laughs> totally. just saying just saying commendations palm leaf of axonar peace mission grand kite order of tactics class of excellence Frenteris ribbon of commendation okay guys it's time for some awards let's see what you picked this week to receive your starfleet commendations and uh sarah since you went uh last this past time you'll go first this time how's that sound oh my gosh i'm ready okay that's what you got i got two 
Michelle Yeoh, she was brilliant in this episode. Those scenes between her and David Cronenberg were so intense. She has this ability to introduce a bit of humor that is a combination of evil yet lovable. And it leaves me somewhat inspired, if I dare say so myself. I kind of want to be a little bit like that myself. And then Rachel um, Antrill was so good in this episode. And I really want to see Nan again. She brought great depth to this character, a strength and a loyalty that put you in her corner from the start. I didn't realize she was also in a show I used to watch a lot called Rookie Blue. And now I have to go back and find some time to watch that show again because she was really good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally understandable. Mm. Um, uh, I've got three this week. My first one goes to writer Sean Cochran. Uh, Sean, if you're listening, this was just a wonderfully balanced episode with some really great light moments to break up the drama. I loved the debrief scenes because it was a really nice downshift before all the serious stuff. And it was just, it was just a wonderful story. Uh, very well told, my friend. And of course, my next one goes to Oded Fair. Man, I love this guy. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to see him as a Starfleet captain. I, I get it even better because now he's the admiral and in charge of the whole shebang. So um, very excited to see him this week. And then I, I can't get out of this week without giving my last Starfleet commendation to Rachel Ancherill. What a performance this week. Non got so much wonderful texture and depth and humanization that it really was emotional and just a great um, so long for now to this character, Casey. Oh, most definitely. Uh, so really quick here, Dan had sent me a text with some accommodation and he was very adamant. He said, please make sure that we talk about Admiral Vance, Odette Fair, and he goes, his air of authority was great. My favorite part was his stern look and then watch your tone, Commander, and the beginning and then the much softer welcome home at the end. So I, I concur with you all who are just digging on him. Then for my own accommodations, I, hey, producers of Discovery, thank you for bringing in Cronenberg, the director of Scanners, Videodrome, The Fly, Dead Ringers, and others. He's got this, you know, under the skin, what the heck is going to happen quality to his performances. And you know this character, Kovach, has a hidden agenda, but we're not exactly sure at all what that agenda is. Um, Super creepy in a fantastic way. We need a lot more Yo and Cronenberg, please. And then also, thanks for showing characters being... prudent and having trust be earned and not given away. Uh, Admiral Vance and the crew are stretched thin and are uh, prudent in their actions. And with all the fantastical things going on in this episode, you know, thank you SF, the SFX team for doing an amazing job for the visuals on there. But there had to be, I thought something that grounded everything. So you believe that. And the emotionalism of the characters is something that, I believed, helped the episode immensely. That's so much fun to give out fake awards, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Long-range scan of planet complete. Well, guys, every episode we take a good long look into the Bajoran Orb of Prophecy to try and determine what the future is going to hold for the crew of the Discovery. We're usually wrong, but every now and then we kind of get one right (laughs) in a way. Um, what's next for Discovery? So, uh, Sarah, why don't you tell us your long-range scan for this week? Oh, man, this is where I'm so bad. I have no idea. There's so many exciting things happening and so many scary things and just 
so much information. All I know is that I think that the lullaby and the fact that multiple people have heard that tune is something that we're going to see come back again and maybe get a little bit of uh, information about what that means. And I don't know, I feel like there's there's really something to that. And I also expect that we're going to see some more about Philippa and what's happening to her. It's going to be a big story. But you know, I'm hoping that it's not too late to put in a request for this season to maybe have like 45 episodes to it. That should be <laughs> Just tell all these stories, please. <laughs> we'll get right on that. Uh, I'm sure if, if anyone from Discovery is listening, they'll, they'll put in the request for us. That's really the beauty of it all. Perfect. <laughs> Casey, what about you? What's your long range scan? Um, I, I think Non is going to be seen again later in the season and uh, be a very valuable Federation asset. Um, and I see Burnham is going to keep having more introduction, reintroduction to Starfleet, growing pains. And I, I think she leaves Starfleet by season's end. Um, things that she was talking about with Nan of, you know, sometimes there is no good choice, only what you can live with. And, you know, if, hey, you stay on the Tikov, you're going to be giving up your career. And I just see these little breadcrumbs where... That, that would be an amazing season finale where she's all, I'm out. I'm going with book and uh, I'm out of Starfleet. Interesting. That could very well happen. I got nothing. Um, my prediction this week is I think we're going to go back to the mirror universe this season. Um, David yeah. Cronenberg's character called out. It's been 500 years since the last crossover. That was my first red flag. And at one point, we even had an ion storm in this episode, which was my second red flag. I think these subtle hints are being put there. And I think that going to the mirror universe is going to be how they fix whatever is happening to Giorgio. Um, They're going to find a reason to need to go there to save Giorgio. That's my long range scan. Cool. Um, Yeah. And like I said, I'm usually wrong. So (laughs) it's not going to be a big shock to me if that doesn't happen (laughs) at all. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I, I feel good about this one. I, 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 uh, I think you're onto something there, my friend. Yeah. Well, there we have it. That's this week's discussion for die trying Sarah. What do we have on tap next week in episode six? Oh boy. Next week. After receiving a message from Book, Burnham and Giorgio embark on a rogue mission to find him, leaving Saru to pick up the pieces with Admiral Vance. Meanwhile, Stamets forms an unexpected bond with Adira. It's Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 6, Scavengers. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Eats networks of podcasts by supporting us on where? Patreon. Get access to our unedited recordings of each and every episode on the network, as well as other exclusive content like our annual supporters pins from fan sets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, along with so many other perks. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are incredibly thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Rachel Delaney, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, 
Chris Tabruzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the most awesome, lovely, and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek, or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start for as little as $1 a month. Sarah, Casey, thank you so much for bailing me out this week and making me look good <laughs> as the host. Um, it's never an easy job to sit in the big chair, but you guys make it a whole lot more fun, that's for sure. Uh, where can we find you guys on Twitter? Sarah, we'll start with you. Yeah, you can find me with the Trek Rewind on Twitter, for sure. <clears throat> Excellent. New episodes of Trek Rewind drop uh, on Thursdays when they're coming out. Sure and we got do. one coming soon. Looking oh, forward to it. Look out. <laughs> Casey, where can we find you on the, on the tweets? On the Twitters, it's just Casey Shasky. I'm just hanging around, waiting for somebody to talk to me. Well, that's not going to happen. And of course, I, know. I can be found on Twitter at Trek Geek Bill. And of course, there's always our, our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, the, uh, the group for the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Um, that does it for us this week in our discussion of Episode 5, Die Trying. It may not exactly feel like home, but the Federation is finding... Certainly an amazing turning point for this crew that has been stranded in time. As always, we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. Dan will be back next week, and so will we to discuss scavengers, and we hope you give us a listen. Until next time, here are some words of wisdom from Philippa Giorgio. The weakness of people, generally, is other people. And until next week... Never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.